Hi, my name is Catherine Corcoran from Terrifier Return to Newcomb High and Long Lost, and you're listening to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. I just want to thank all our fans and listeners. I really appreciate all the support. And, you know, we always like to bring the the stars of the horror genre on for these interviews. And we are joined today by a relatively new actress to the scene, but she has already amassed 30-plus credits to her name, including as a producer. She's best known for her starring roles in the Return to New, the Return to Newcomb High franchise, and of course, Terrifier. Please welcome Catherine Corcoran. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Uh, we like to kick off all of our interviews. Just what got you into acting? Um, honestly, I was doing it ever since I was a little girl. Um. My mom was a dancer. My dad was a chef. So I think it was just a little easier to have me um, in the dance studio than in the kitchen. Um, and I never really took to the dance world, but a lot of the, um, you know, the castings and things would happen in the same building. So I would like help out and, and do that kind of thing. And, um, and then uh, at a certain point, um, you know, I started booking little like off Broadway tours and things would come through and they would need like a little girl in the production of Annie or like, you know, Sound of Music or Gypsy or whatever. And then I stopped being so cute. Um, and uh, I, you know, told my mom I wanted to do this really serious, like seriously. And she said, um, OK, go find a place to do it. So I um, I Googled <laughs> agents and I made a list and I printed them out on our computer I don't even know I think I hand wrote them and I cold called every single one from oh. our household at like 12 years old and most of them hung up on me and thought it was a prank um but one woman uh Edie Rob she talked like this like she was like Ross's <laughs> agent from friends she talked like this you know and uh she was like listen to me like talk to us well, how old are you and I was like you know you sound young and I was like yeah you know, I'm 12 years old and she's like all right is this a 215 number and I was like you know yes and she goes where are you from and you know I tell her she goes all right listen my husband he runs an acting school in Philadelphia go bring your mother I'll meet you it was like a Friday open call and I went and I got in the program and um, I would take classes all day, Saturday, Sunday. And um, when she had auditions and things, she was my first, my first agent, my first rep. And I kind of just went from there. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you uh, arguably are most well known for, you know, the return to a uh, Newcomb High franchise. Um, mm -hmm. You got the role as, you know, badass Lauren in volume one back in uh, 2013. Uh, can you can you talk a little bit about, you know, how that came to be and, you know, a little bit about your return to that franchise uh, a few years later? Yeah, um, I, I that was really funny because I, you know, I moved to New York City. I was 19 when I did that film and I, um, you know, I was really lucky in that I was like 
slowly building, you know, I do a co-star here, or a little thing here in a show. And that's like, you know, how you build it. You do commercial work. And um, I saw the trauma casting on my own. And I, I, I remember I went in and I got like a horribly lost because um, their office is in Queens and was super late, you know, and I just, like did my thing. And I remember leaving and I did all this research on the company to try to be prepared, you know, and I left and I called my mom and my mom was like, you know, how'd it go? And I said, you know, I don't think I got the part. I was so late, but you know, maybe they'll like let me intern for them or something. They seem so cool. Like I did not <laughs> think I was cool enough to 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 get the part. And and they did. And and Lloyd Lloyd did um did hire did cast me and it, it changed everything. I mean, that film was my first lead in a feature. We slept in a funeral home and oh, wow. all there on the floor. Um wow. we saw fifty people, one shower, and <laughs> that's true. Wow. Uh, and uh, in upstate New York, and I mean, it was really just kind of a labor of love. And then the film got into the Cannes Film Festival and into the Museum of Modern Art that year. And um, yeah, it was amazing. And I'm still, I'm still very, very close to the Kaufman family uh, to this day. They really are like an extended family. And um, yeah, uh, the second film, I think that we actually shot a lot of that when we were doing the first film, and then they oh, made wow. the decision to make oh, okay. it a film. So it was actually a couple, it was like years of pickups and rewrites to kind of make it the two films. Um, I think, you know, whatever didn't make the first cut, that's what they worked into the second one. And, um, and yeah, that, that's where it is. Well, you, you brought up Lloyd Kaufman. Um, you've said before, you know, you have a lot of respect uh, uh, working with him. You know, he's the director, obviously, of those two. And, you know, he's done another movie I loved in the Toxic Avenger back in the 80s. Um, mm -hmm. get, can you talk a little bit about how it is working with uh, with him on set? Yeah, I mean, Lloyd is amazing. He's definitely got his own pace, uh, at least for um, Return to Newcomb High. We actually, it was kind of a dream because... We got to shoot everything twice. So he rehearses everything in location before he films it, which is not something you have the time or budget to do on larger films. And right. you know, so we would shoot it. He shoots it once on his handheld camera and then does it on the actual day on whatever, you know, we're actually filming on. And um, so you're smart. actually kind of ahead of production most of the time, because by the time you get there, all the actors and the team and the cast and crew kind of have a feel for how the scene's going to move, how everything's going to kind of flow. And you really have a lot of room to play and get extra footage and get what you need. And I, I think it just shows in his, his work, you know, and he builds his teams like on like families and like an ensemble. He says like, you know, you, you, when you make his movies, you learn to, um, you learn to eat cheese sandwiches and defecate in a paper bag. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> that's what he said. That's not true. But um, but you do learn a lot because you know you're all kind of together, kind of camping out and like in it for the story's sake, you know. And um, yeah, he's he's really incredible to work with. He does have a temper and he has no qualms about putting you in your place uh, if you cool. are are being uh, a little. Uh, problematic but okay. uh, I've been very lucky that that's that's never been the case for me and I, I I to this day you know I think he just did you know an, adap an adaption of The Tempest and you know I came back and did a cameo on that and mm -hmm. you know, any opportunity I, I get to you know reconnect with them and see them I, I still do because it is it's a family it really is that's awesome
That is awesome. So, I'm sure you're probably a little bit tired of talking about Terrifier, but we're a horror movie <laughs> podcast, so we have to ask you a couple of questions. Yeah, no worries. Can, can you talk a little bit about getting the role? I mean, the death scene by itself was such a big part of putting Terrifier on the map. You got the script. Did you have any hesitation on taking that role because of that scene, or did um, it freak you out any, or just what went through your mind reading that? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I was definitely like, okay, this is intense, you know, and I'm always a little bit hesitant um, with gratuitous nudity. I love what I love about um, Lloyd's films are that he's like really making a statement in, in, in the, in the nudity, he's using it for something. And sometimes I think with horror, you know, things can become really um, misogynistic. And one of the things I really loved about talking to Damien, you know, he came and we, and we talked through the scene and what it was going to be like. And he said, and he talked about the women that he cast. I mean, um, Jenna is an amazing, amazing stunt mm-hmm. performer and director. Uh, Puya, who plays, you know, the homeless woman, is a trans woman. Um, Sam is also a director. Um, there's just uh, so, who plays Victoria. So there's just so many, like, really kind of dynamic women. And he said, you know, what I'm trying to do here is push the boundaries of, um, you know, these 80s slasher films while still kind of, you know, holding true to what they actually are. And there is inherently in those films this kind of, like, shocking gore, you know? You can't pay tribute to them without acknowledging it. Um, But when we did it, he was like, you know, as far as I am aware, this has never been attempted in horror movie history. I mean, there was no rig. Like, usually when you do a stunt like that, there's a rig in place, and you flip up, and it flips you up and down. And we didn't have that. I mean, I'm actually hanging from my ankles, you know, and I would, like, crunch up, and they'd roll something underneath me. And it was just long days uh, or a long night, really, <laughs> of doing that. And um, he was like, it's going to be intense, and, you know, it's going to be hard. And, we, you know, we don't have a big budget. But at the end of this, like, we – you know, we intend to make horror movie history. And I, th- I think, you know, he did. I don't think any of us expected it to be as successful as it is, but he really and truly did, you know, not only made made horror movie history with that scene, but yeah. with, you know, the film. And I think just the idea of pushing a boundary and, and challenging myself physically and mentally, you know, to do something is kind of why I do this. So yeah, of course, you know, you're nervous and you don't know what it's going to be like to work with these people. But uh, at the end of the day, I mean, that, that day, David in particular was so helpful and like, and so supportive. And I mean, I just remember getting on, on, um, on the, ferry on the way home and there was no running water in that uh in the hospital that we shot that in Mm -hmm. so i like baby wiped off and i had like blood like fake blood like all in my hair and everywhere and and david still has like some of the clown makeup on and we're just sitting there at like six o'clock in the morning on the staten island ferry in coats and like you're exhausted and you look crazy and everyone's looking at you like (laughs) what but you're like you just did something really awesome and I think that was kind of like the sentiment all the way through. So, yeah, I mean, definitely there's always hesitation, but I was really lucky that, you know, they wanted to make sure I felt comfortable all the way through. 
Yeah, and we we had we had David on, you know, and he's obviously great, but you know, he did he talked a little bit about that scene and and shooting with you and and you spoke to this just just a minute ago just a little bit, you know, how hard of a he spoke to how hard of a shoot it was on you in particular with, you know, hanging upside down and it being so cold in in that building and whatnot. Uh, um is there anything else that you can remember, you know, about that scene in particular and kind of speak to uh to what he said, you know, about how hard it was on you? I mean, I like like I said, I think it, it was challenging for sure, but I I wouldn't change it, you know. Right. Um, and, I, and I they were really supportive, you know, all the way through. I mean, our executive producer Phil was like throwing blankets on me in between and like trying his best, you know, keep me as warm as possible. I mean, we did the way that we did it was um, so you can't be upside down more than forty two seconds without risking seizure. So we would hang me up and I would be on a cart with uh, on my back and the the cart would get pulled out and I would kind of reverse crunch down and they would time it for 30 seconds so we'd get 30 second takes and then they'd yell cut at the 30 second mark and I would do the crunch back up and someone would come and lift me up and put me back on the um the elevated stretcher basically because I couldn't we couldn't take my legs down and when you have a rig you can like flip but we couldn't do that. Um, so it was just like very, like just repetitive over and over again. You know, then I'd be have blood and they'd put a blanket on. Sometimes the blanket would still be wet. So it's just like, you know, they're just trying their best. It was definitely really cold. And I knew what we were doing and it was January. So there was like, I, I, wow. I knew, in New York, oh yeah, I knew it was going to be, it was going to be a lot, but we, um, when we left and you know there was this camaraderie like everyone's like kind of coaching everyone's in it together because they want to make sure that it's safe and that and that we get what we need and um I remember you know the next couple days I I was really really sick and I think I've talked about this and we laugh about now it's kind of funny um I was really really sick and I was like oh I mean I kind of expected that it was cold I was naked like wet like okay like maybe I caught a cold or whatever but I'm like really busy and I can't like I can't shake the dizziness and I'm pretty tough with stuff like this. I was like, I, I should just go to the doctor, just like see if I need like an antibiotic or whatever, you know? So I go in and I, I see my doctor and he, you know, checks me out and he goes, well, you have, you have strep throat, which is like, you know, we figured, you know, outside. Right. Yeah. And he goes, but um, I have to ask you, um, do you like swim or do like gymnastics or something? And I was like, no, but I told him what had happened. He goes, Okay, so um, you're, you're, the reason you're dizzy is because your eardrum is not where it's supposed to be. And what, so, yes, you were right. You guys couldn't, you, you can't be upside down for more than 42 seconds. But because you never were right side up again for so long, um, blood in your body was just kind of like pooling and like slowly swelling. And then that in com- in combination with you know the infection you uh when that went down your eardrum was out of place so wow. so like long story short, I had I just needed an antibiotic and like it was fine but uh, it was just like a funny thing like to have to explain to my doctors like no but I just did this scene where I was upside down and saw saw it in half <laughs> does that matter <laughs> <laughs> NBD, you know. <laughs> oh okay well but yeah I mean I I wouldn't change it for the world I'm, I'm, I I wear it kind of like a badge of honor you know yeah I remember David telling us that you know y'all had a lot of fun on set but when they filmed your scene it was a whole different setting like they were a lot more 
serious, I guess you could say. I remember David telling that that there that scene is awesome. Uh, we see you have a role as Annabelle Poe in the upcoming Three Days Rising flick with Mickey Rourke. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Um, I don't want to give too much away about that one. Um, but no that spoilers. Was, it's okay. No spoilers. That's a fun one. It's an adaptation of Fall of the House of Usher, and it um it stars a really amazing actress Kelly, um who's a good friend of mine, and a really really great you know uh New York cast. I think Ice T is in it. Um, it, oh wow! Okay. Yeah, it's really good, and you know, it's really kind of a uh, an homage to the New York City uh, actors and and kind of subculture as well. So while um, you know, a lot of us don't have you know larger story arcs in it, there's a lot of really nice little moments in it that I think everyone will really appreciate. Um, I know I don't think they've released the trailer or anything yet, so that's really all I can give you is that it's a modern adaptation of Fall of the House of Usher. Um, and I'm a Poe fan, so that was that was really exciting for me. Absolutely. Awesome, awesome. Uh, it's no – how do I phrase this? I think everyone understands that 2020 has been a really hard year, uh-huh. especially for your industry. Uh, how has that affected you and your productions or in any potential roles maybe? Um, you know, I, I think like, like everyone in the, in this industry, we, you know, we un, uh, understand the, the gravity of the situation and have kind of had to shut down and postpone a lot of things, a lot of shoots, a lot of films that, you know, I was attached to that, you know, we're, we're just postponing and, you know, for a while it was, oh, it'll, it'll move to May and then to September and, you know, now, you know, we're just kind of waiting. Um, but I, I will say, that I feel really lucky um, in that during this time, I think a lot of creatives um, have really kind of risen to the occasion and and figured out ways to still create and still tell stories. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just made us have to evaluate the medium in which we do that and how we connect with one another. I mean, whether that is, you know, Zoom series or in the beginning of this, every night I was reading children's books for charity, um, but for adults, you know, and we raised like $15,000 and like, you know, just like there, I think it's made us, I'm kind of in a way grateful. And, and while, you know, I understand the the weight of the situation and, and I'm so concerned for people's, you know, livelihoods um, and and their health and, 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 you know, their families, I'm also... Right grateful for the the forced reset for us because i think sometimes it's important to to reevaluate what you're doing and the kind of hamster wheel you're on and if you're if you're communicating effectively and and if you're if you're doing why you're doing what you're doing you know and i think this time has made us realize you know we tell stories to connect to one another and that's that's so important so right. I mean, yeah, I, it's been tough in a way, but I also am super grateful. I mean, and I, I am lucky, you know, I have been able to work. I just did, I just started a series um, that I was hosting in Atlanta um, called Game Time, where um, we, myself and my co-host uh, Jordan Rock were in, in studio, but everybody else was Skyped in. So, I mean, there, it, it is possible, you know, it is we're creating, you know, and I, as we're, we just have to kind of adapt. And sometimes the greatest work, I think, comes out of that pressure. You know, that's how diamonds are made. So, so I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, you know, and, and, and while, you know, money and health and, and, you know, the strain on, on those things is real and families is real. 
um, it's also really important, I think, to put into perspective why we do what we do. And Absolutely. I'm glad that it's done that for us. I hope anyway. <laughs> right. Well, and speaking of doing what you do, you know, you, you're you're not only an actress, uh, but you have some producing credits to your name, and including uh, there's an upcoming uh, what seismic in it. Uh, is it pronounced Esme? Is Esme? Um, yeah. Okay, my love. Yeah. Where, you know, you're serving as producer, you know, can, can you talk a little bit about that and, and the difference in approach that you take for that versus, you know, stepping in front of the camera? Yeah, I mean, I think um, the, the series game time that I, I, I was just speaking about, I'm also an executive producer on and, um, you know, I have a couple another feature that, um, you know, we're talking about uh, being talent and executive producing as well. And, and they are different different parts of the brain, for sure. I mean, um, I think as a producer, you're very linear in an execution problem solving kind of oriented, right? It's like, okay, we need this role filled, or we need to get this done. And this is where, where our budget is. And this is where we're filming. And, you know, you know, all of that. Whereas when you're acting, it's a little bit different, because your focus is less on the tactical execution and more on the the story and 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 the execution of the character if that makes sense so one i feel is a little bit for me anyway is a little bit more emotional driven where the other one is a little bit more um analytical um but both kind of you know they both have technical aspects to them they both kind of have emotional aspects to them i think you know in it in its core any position on a film is um is a problem solver you know you're kind of working this puzzle in it's like how do we do how do we we tell this story within the limitations that we're given whether that's you know a frame that you have to exist within or a space or a budget you know what i mean all of those things so so you're a problem solver and 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 you're you know you know you're navigating this puzzle either way but i do yeah i do find that I'm using kind of two different sides of my brain um, in service of the same goal. And sometimes I have to like shut one off if I'm doing both at the same right. time, you know? So, and, you know, shifting gears here a little bit, um, we kind of started this asking this little lighthearted question, you know, when we had uh, Lisa Wilcox on, because mm -hmm. some of the answers we've gotten, especially from like Kane Hodder and, you know, Robert England and stuff has been so crazy. We started kind of asking all of our guests this. So, okay. um, all right, so you've been to some horror movie conventions, I'm sure. Um, what stands out to you, if anything, as the most memorable either experience or something you've seen or had happen to you at one of those things? Do you have anything in particular? Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, I love the conventions, and I'm really excited to do them in the new year because I think they just provide such an amazing um way to connect with people you know and it embraces all of us and our like quirks and our weirdness i mean i'm a nerd i myself you know and a horror enthusiast and a genre enthusiast you know sci-fi person so like you know I, it's really fun to be able to like be a part of that community and everyone kind of connect together in our awesome uh enthusiast weirdness you know <laughs> um but uh i think honestly so far the the most memorable moment, I think, well, the first con I ever did was New York City Comic Con, and that was right after. That's huge, we, too, yeah. That was right after we filmed Nukem High, and that was, I think, Stan Lee was involved in that, so we spoke on the Marvel panel, and, like, that was, like, just wow. crazy. But I think, actually, the most memorable was um, more recently at, uh, I think it was Scarefell. 
they um they did a a women in film a women in horror panel and it was myself um barbara crampton uh felissa rose and okay. Jen. and um and uh we and they were all panel you know their panels all weekend over that one was so full that people were out in the hallway like looking in oh. and the questions that people pose particularly young women you know about the industry about you know the me too movement about sexuality in film were so well informed and were so thoughtful and i thought that that dialogue was just so powerful and so important and you know i got messages for weeks and weeks from girls who watched the video afterwards or who were at the convention who just were saying you know how how meaningful it was that we were honest and that we spoke about this and how much it helped them and i think at the end of the day that's what makes um those those cons so important right is it, it yeah. provides a safe haven for you for any of us you know to realize that who we are and, and what we're feeling and where we're at in our journeys are are all kind of the same and, and you know and in the in the end that's why we tell stories right to affect change and to and to, to challenge and to grow so i felt like it was it was such a cool thing because it was the first time i saw the that the opportunity that these platforms also had to you know affect change and tell stories outside of just you know um, immediate, the immediacy of making a film, you know, so right. I, now I think I'll, I'll never forget that that was such an incredible moment. And now I do try on at every, um, convention mass to, even if it's like only a, a few of us to do like a, a women's panel, because it, it, it really is such an important thing, especially in genre. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. Oh yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else you have on the docket? I know you've been rumored for a ripper, I don't know if you can talk about that, but is there anything else you have on the upcoming schedule you like to tell everyone about? Sure, yeah. I mean, like I said, I just wrapped a Game Time, which is a it's a little different for me. It's a um, uh, an esports dating competition show. So um, a celebrity guest comes on and they get to uh, play games uh, with um, the contestants and win a, a virtual date. Eventually, it will be in person, but right now, you know, everything's virtual. And I'm hosting that with uh, Chris, a uh, comedian, Jordan Rock, who's absolutely hilarious and really, really funny. Um, and we just, awesome. you know, wrapped our first episode of that, which we'll hopefully pick up again in the new year. Um, I am attached to a couple features that I think we'll announce probably in the new year, which I'm really, really excited about. Um, one is a thriller that takes place in the woods, which I think everyone will appreciate. Um, okay. And um, Ripper has been in development, so we'll see what happens with that. That's an adaptation of Jack of the Jack the Ripper mythology. Right, that looks really cool. And then, um, and then um, I'm also developing my own series uh, that uh, is like a very feminist-centered uh, fantasy series. So I mean, I've got some things on the horizon, and as you know, that as we keep moving and as we keep going, we'll I'll certainly update everyone on that. But I think a lot of that may have to wait until the new year. Until I think we're the day before Christmas right now, so we're gonna have to just like keep it quiet for a couple more weeks before everything opens up again. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And like you just said, uh, we can keep up with you. Do you want to give a shout out to maybe your Instagram, Twitter, or anywhere else people can find you and follow you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my Instagram is 
Insta Catherine C with a C. Um, uh, my Twitter is Catherine Corcoran, and so is my I think uh, so is my Facebook. Um, and yeah, I have like my website is www.catherinecorcoran.info. But usually the best is I think I'm most active on Instagram, so that's like the the best way to keep up. But you know, I try I try to do the socials. I try my best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it becomes a job, honestly. Sometimes uh, keeping up with social media. I can't only imagine how it is for someone way more famous than me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I think I just, I feel, people talk about like content generating and they're like, aren't you a filmmaker? Like, shouldn't your content be great? I'm like, I don't know. All I do is post <laughs> photos of my dog and like videos yeah. of my dog. <laughs> yeah. oh, that for you. That's like what I, that's what I care about. <laughs> so. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, guys. just want to say thank you for joining us. This has been really fun. Uh, just want to wish you a, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and uh, we really appreciate your time. Is there anything else you want to say, Brian? No, just thank you so much for coming on. We, it was it was great meeting you. It was great talking to you, and and I, I know everybody will love the content. Oh, thank you guys so much. Merry Christmas. Uh, this is such a great way to end the year. I'm so excited. This, I think, is like my last, last real big work commitment until after the holidays, so thank you. I'm so excited to share it with you. Of course, thank you guys. Where are you all from? Tallahassee, uh, Florida. Yeah, he's from Tallahassee, Florida. I'm from basically Pensacola, Florida. So right there on the uh, the Panhandle there. Oh, very nice. My my sister's boyfriend is from uh, on the Panhandle. I was like, I know that accent. Um, <laughs> I'm not in Alabama, but yeah, that's uh, initially I think where they're from. It's ba- yeah, we call it Lower Alabama anyway. So it's basically, <laughs> it's basically where we're yeah, at. <laughs> I got that South. I got that South Georgia accent. Yeah, he does. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> no, no, no one. I meet a lot of people online because we're all from – we all met through Twitter, through a favorite football team. And whenever people meet me in person, you know, because I'm half Asian, so when they meet me and they hear my voice, it always blows their mind and it always makes yeah. me laugh. It I did me. That. It did me. I was like, Nico and your voice is a country? What? <laughs> yeah. I love that. I keep everyone on their toes. Screw those, you know, racial uh, racial <laughs> divides. I love it. I love it. Oh, yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah, keep in touch, please. And if I am down there for a convention, I'll be sure to let them know that I'll be there for you guys so we can get you in and do a little interview there. Hey, we'd love, we'd love that. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Have a Merry Christmas. You too. Bye-bye. Merry Bye. Christmas. And I uh, just want to remind everybody to uh, don't go out there.